everybody. Welcome back to Canadian Puxedo. I am here with Charles Pickett, and we are almost done this goddamn season. Almost. <laughs> we have, well, depending on uh, what team you are, we have uh, a small amount of games left. If you're the Oilers or the Leafs, you have about eight. If you're the Canucks, you have about 36. But uh, we're going to get this all done here within the next three weeks. And my God, do we not have an inkling of a race? between the Canadians, the Flames, and just maybe the Canucks. Charles is here. Charles, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Rob Bebernick is going to come on a little later to talk about the Vancouver Canucks. But I think the race that's on everyone's mind right now, and they are going to be playing a game in a couple of hours. So we will try to, I don't know, set this up, knowing that you guys will hear this tomorrow and it will be over. But my God, whatever happens in this Habs Flames game is going to be huge. Cole 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 Caulfield. More like Cole Caulfield. Am I right, fellas? I mean, I I don't think you're right, but I'm certainly not right. That's uh, I am as wrong as I could be on that one. Cole Caulfield. Very promising young player who deserves to have his name said at least a little bit right and wasn't at all. Charles, what's your prediction tonight? Uh, I, I, I think each time I, I try to, like, pick a side here, I'm just like, oh, well, it's clearly going to be this team and then that team doesn't win. And I've been saying, like, all weekend, it's like, I, I think the Habs are going to give them the kill shot. Like, I think the Habs are going to – it's going to be that, that last nail in the coffin type of thing. And the way it's looking now, it's like I'm afraid to say that. Um, yeah. They're, they're back at home. They've got their top A prospect coming in. you got to think that and it, they could bridge that gap and put the six-point you know, gap back intact. I, you got to think that tonight's the night where they're just like, yeah, all right, enough screwing around here and just hammer it to them. Uh, Noah Hannafin for the Calgary Flames is definitely not going to play. Big loss. So they're already – yeah, big loss. They're already down a the defense. Yeah, and they're already down a defenseman. Even if the Habs lose tonight, which I, I can't see it, especially given everything that's on the line, even if the Habs lose tonight, I still think the Flames are just going to run out of runway here. They're going to run out of track. Well, the only reason that they're only in this, really, is because the Flames have been dominating the Habs specifically. And Montreal has taken their foot off the gas a little bit, frankly. But I think they've played eight games this year, which, first of all, that's insane. Second of all, they're 6-2 and two against the Canadians this year. They have had the Canadians number all year long. Yeah. And I also predict that Montreal is going to squeeze one out here, but my God, if they don't... It gets... Well, it, yeah, if, if, if the Habs lose tonight, they run the risk of not only like losing that playoff spot, but they kind of have lost all control of it because... You got to understand the last handful of games for the Flames are against the Vancouver Canucks. So even if those are three-point games, it can quickly become down to the Canucks and the Flames forcing the Habs down the rung a bit. And it's tonight is kind of the night where the Habs do need to pull ahead and separate themselves from the teams that are fighting for that last spot. Like I think. On paper, I think they're the better team than both involved uh, performance-wise. 
big picture throughout the season, I think they've been the better team uh, than, than both involved. Obviously, Vancouver's coming back a little hot right now since their long pause. And the Flames are just a team that I don't know what they are. They will not tell us. They will not show us a glimpse of And I'm not one of those big team identity guys, but it's like, Jesus, what are you? You're like, well, I think an interesting thing from Calgary's vantage point is that they are in a playoff race right now, that they're hanging by a thread. We always look at the money puck odds every week. Last week, Montreal was 76% to make that, make the playoffs. This this week, 72 with how things went last week. They went one and two last week. They lost to the, they lost to the Flames. They beat the Oilers, and they lost to the Flames again. So this little series of games, Calgary's odds went up about 2%. Vancouver's also went up 2% from 5 to 7 so really, well, I think by the end of this week, we will really know what's going on. But in terms of who Calgary are, I mean, you got to look at Sam Bennett right now, who they were just like, they were so patient with him. They tried him in so many places, and they're like, you know what? It's just not going to work. And it is comical how quickly he has worked out unbelievably in in Florida. He's got six points in five games. He threw 20 hits over the last two weeks since he's been traded. He's everywhere. The last three games, he's averaged 20 minutes with five minutes on the power play. And the last game, he was playing PK as well. So within a fucking snap, he's killing it for Florida. And that's got a sting for Calgary. I mean, was it the right move to cash out? I think probably yes. It's in a hindsight kind of way. But man, when you're in this race... You you would love to be you'd love to have Sam Bennett playing like that on your team in this game that already happened last night. <laughs> the return that yeah, in this game that already happened last night. I'm gonna say that the Calgary Flames would have won the game that never happened last that never happened yet when we're recording this if they had Sam Bennett. But the the thing about that is like he had a trade request early in the year and then he rescinded it and they moved him anyway. But if you're gunning for the playoffs, if you're gunning for the playoffs. What risk do you have by holding on to him and then moving him at the draft? I think the thing with Calgary might Mm -hmm. be early in the year they conceded. Early in the year they said, you know what, we're not going to do it. We'll fire the coach. We'll bring in a new guy. This weird anomaly of a year where we're only playing six other teams will essentially be a growing year to find out which pieces we keep and which pieces will work with our new coach that we signed for three years and let the chips fall where they may. So I don't think Calgary missing out on the playoffs will create a knee-jerk reaction within the franchise of what their long-term goals are. But if Montreal misses the playoffs, sweet Jesus Christ. Like, they're one of the only teams that spent big in the offseason because they looked at this, we're only playing six other teams all year. We can get into the quarterfinals this could be a trip to deepen the playoff run with what we've got. We've got a bluster or a core and they're, they're on the skids right now. Yeah, they are on this Montreal, I think specifically, and we're almost done here with Calgary. So I, cause I do think a large part of this is it's not that Calgary setting the world on fire by any means. I do think this is, I hate to say it more of Montreal fumbling a ball than Calgary really hucking mm-hmm. one if that's an expression at all, which I'm not certain that it is. But, you know, Calgary, I will say this, Johnny Goudreau has turned it on in the last uh, two weeks. Famous uh, shrinking violet Johnny Goudreau, who never does anything when the games matter, is suddenly carrying that team. It's as if being clutch isn't a real thing 
and people just get too latched onto these little playoff things. I just don't, I don't really think that that's real. Players get stuck with these reputations for years and years because they don't hit and because they don't score in one playoff series. And it's like, I don't know. Do you think it's like, do you think being clutch is something that's real or is that just luck at the right time? That's an interesting question. Uh, I am a, like by confession, I'm a superstitious nutbag. So automatically I, I agree with clutch being a thing. Like I, to me, it's like, yeah, like that, to me, I've subscribed to that, but I don't know for like six or seven years ago, I wouldn't touch a certain chair in my house if the Leafs were playing. Cause I had deemed it to be unlucky. Well, so, I mean, I think whatever you say next, based on that tee up, we should absolutely listen to it. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't think I'm the guy to weigh in on this. It's like, do you think a guy's clutch? I don't know. I'd be like, did he have his Pop-Tarts today? That's the question you got asked. <laughs> you know, I was like, this guy's clutch or not? Did he get his Pop-Tarts today? So I, I'm, I'm not the guy to ask for that. I do think reputations stick around and people outlive their reputations. A couple of guys I can think of is Ruslan Fedotenko for the Tampa Bay Lightning had scored a cup clinching that's a hard one to say a cup clinching goal for the tampa bay lightning and uh he rode that well well into the oh, sunset yeah. like, people were talking about that in 2011 uh same thing with max talbot he had those two game seven goals that pretty much solidified his career it's one of the best like, hockey games i've seen in my entire goddamn life it's yeah it was a big one that was but let's pull back to, let's pull back to the so in the interest of time before we get into the yeah, yeah. 1997 tampa bay lightning maybe we should just pull back into canada real quick so we don't go for four hours um I, I Montreal. I don't really have anything else on Calgary except that Jacob Markstrom is figuring it out when it matters. Uh, that's my last little piece, just to give credit to what is happening right now in Calgary. So let's go back about a month. Montreal had an eight-point lead with five games in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were well, well ahead, and they were always looking like the team that their underlying numbers are going to shake out real quick, and they did not. Now. I think there's something that people are really hard on Montreal. And then one thing is that they're not paying attention to is that without Brendan Gallagher, they are three, eight and oh, they haven't scored more than two goals. I hate to say this because as a fan of another team in this league, who I have yet to reveal on this podcast, (laughs) he is not the most likable player, but I will say that he may be the most underrated. I think guys who are small and guys who are chippy and they get a reputation for like they can get under your skin. Those guys, people, those guys don't get enough credit for how good they are. It all, Brad Marchand, for instance, is like 33 years old. And we're only just admitting that like, oh, this guy isn't good because he pisses people off. This guy is just good. And I, don't, I think Gallagher is immensely similar. Uh, Matt, would you describe Gallagher as clutch? (laughs) (laughs) If I believed in it, I would. I would, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. I love Uh, it. I'm wondering, yeah, like, I think for sure just the type of player he was, if it was anything he could play through, he'd be playing right now. But he, like, broke his finger. Uh, I don't think – I think the book is out on that. You're not going to do much, especially the game he plays. You're not going to do much without a use of one of your hands. 
If but if he was in the lineup, hand, for instance, would you think if you broke the hand that was lucky, do you think that might clutch <laughs> your way into a better performance? I don't know. I don't know. He, I mean, everybody has a lucky hand, don't they? Don't you have a lucky rabbit's foot on you? I lost my lucky hand under a lucky plate at a birthday party, and it's never been the same since. I once got caught cheating at that game. I brought my own Sharpie and uh, just marked, <laughs> marked, marked the plate, and the parent was like, wait a minute, I didn't put the... I didn't put the plate on that side of the table and I got busted and I didn't get to win the Ninja Turtle. Uh, I still remember it was Raphael in a space suit. <laughs> oh, that's worth cheating for, though. I'm sorry that oh, happened to you. Man. Yeah, I thought I was the smartest kid, too. I was like, I'm going to bring a Sharpie and I'm going to win the Lucky Cup at every birthday party I go to. <laughs> well, I think there's a small, a minor contingent amongst Canadians fans who think that Brendan Gallagher should be the captain of that team. I am not a Canadians fan, and I agree with that. I, I I just think, yeah, he is the he's these being cliche. He's the heart and soul of that team, and this year has definitely proved it. Well, I I for for what it's worth, I think he would be a great captain. I think it's like too weird distractiony to you know take take the captaincy away from a player. I think what they were doing in San Jose, where they were changing the captain every year, like, well, that fell apart real quick, didn't it? But <laughs> The guy who is the captain right now, Shea Weber, and I'm not saying that Shea Weber is a bad captain, but there are people who are. And there was a quote from a conference last week. He was taking a lot of heat in the Montreal media, and they asked the question he was asked was, was there a reason to assess his own own play? Because he has been dicey. And his answer was, to be honest, it's a team game, is it not? Now, I'm not saying he needs to be Jack Campbell and every time he lets in a goal that he (laughs) should say that he deserves to die or whatever. But, like, that to me from a captain, I'd like to hear a bit more. Eef. Again, you got to think he's one of the guys playing hurt. Shea Weber does have an injury history. He's got that foot thing that kind of – rears its ugly head every couple of years. There was a rumor last year that it was like, this could be career ending. You got to think that a lot of guys, especially on the back end of this team are playing banged up. That's why they added defensemen. You know what else is, you know what else is career ending though, is being 35 years old. Well, that's the, that's the safety valve for that contract. Everyone's like, Oh, they're going to get out of that contract. I'm like an MRI. An MRI and a player that's going to play ball, man. Like, that's it. It's like, hey, Shay, sorry about your hips, back, shoulders, and foot. And it's like, what do you mean? That's like, oh, it's time, eh? <laughs> like, you know what? Uh, so I, I, I just think he's playing hurt. He's reliable. He's not flashy. Like, some of the mistakes he was making, and I'm, I'm guessing that was after that first uh, game that they dropped to Calgary when they would have asked. It's not just the eye test though. Like his underlying numbers have been ugly this year too, man. It's like it's it's a uh, there's five years left on that Weber deal, and yeah. it's been it's been man that whole that whole Petrie at Petrie uh, was great and now is not uh, you know he he was carrying a load that I guess was not sustainable for him to carry. But Sherratt Weber like. That they've been munching a lot of those minutes, and yeah. it has not been going well lately. Like the and it, Mark Bergevin was so clearly being like, "Well, we're gonna get clunky, or not clunky, I guess I shouldn't say, but you know, like tough defensemen, uh, and we're gonna stack them, and that's not looking good." I, I think it's a chicken or the egg thing in that. I think he's probably stockpiling defensemen, and 
I always make the joke he's stockpiling defensemen because he was a defenseman himself. I think he might have been stockpiling him because these guys have been battling through injury all year, and he doesn't know how reliable, you know, when they don't know when the, the rug is going to get pulled from under him. doesn't make much sense how they waive arguably one of their best skating defensemen uh, in Mete. Like, he's probably one of the best. It's, Playing 18 minutes in, uh, in the sands. Yeah, it's, real good. it's funny because one of the uh, Habs fans I follow on Twitter uh, – Chuck, Chuck Sahoy, if anyone wanted to follow him, uh, had mentioned, he's like, this team is at risk of missing the playoffs because management has a problem evaluating useful defensemen. Mm-hmm. And uh, just judging by how the minutes have been kind of doled out, and then obviously the, the Mete situation, it'd be spooky if that happened. I think there's nothing harder in hockey than evaluating defensemen. I genuinely think it's one of the hardest things to do from a management standpoint. But, uh, yeah, the way that that blue line is constructed and the way that minutes have been allocated, I think that's an underperforming team. But I do think that the fact that, you know, I don't think they've given enough shine to the fact that they are missing one of their best players. I think Brennan Gallagher is an enormous loss on that team, and I do not think you know, I think you're you're missing the lead a little bit if you're not at least talking about it. But in terms of just a man who has fun watching hockey, I hope this game tonight is great because <laughs> the stakes are good. The Canadian the Canadians really need to pull this out. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun watching Jake Allen. Uh, you know, that's been a that's been a great story. But you know, the other thing though is the Canucks with their four games played are not doing too poorly. They uh, their mm-hmm. their win percentage is just below Calgary and they're 6-3 and 1 in their last 10 games which have taken course to check my notes here over the last 11 months. <laughs> <laughs> so, to talk about the Vancouver Canucks, I'm going to bring on a very very funny comedian. His name is Rob Bebenek. He's great. Um I've worked with him a bunch. He's hilarious. He actually has a set online uh, discussing whether or not Canadians are friendly. So I think for the listeners of this podcast, that's very handy. I'm I'm not exaggerating. I think it has 3 million views. It's very good. And he's a good guy. So please enjoy our next guest, Rob Bebenick. And then we're going to come back, talk about the Jets, who are a goddamn mess. And then the Leafs, who are perfect and have never done anything wrong. And then we will talk about the Senators for the last 30 seconds of the podcast, as we always do. But for now, please enjoy Rob Ebenek. Rob, how are you? And more importantly, how is your puppy? I'm, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, and my puppy is fantastic. She, uh, she's so good. It's uh, it's wild, like, and I know everyone's just like, I have the smartest, greatest puppy. Uh, no, I actually do have like an insanely smart dog. She's a border collie, golden retriever mix, and so she's like smarter. She's smarter than me already. It's wild. Oh, my dog is not smart at all, actually. Nor does she respect me. So I can't relate to that sentiment at all. What tricks do you have her doing now? Uh, well, she's only, she's four and a half months old, but she can already do roll over. She can do all the, all the basic ones like sit, lie down, shake a paw. Uh, she knows roll over. She knows leave it. Like I can put a treat in front of her and like, just tell her to not touch it and she'll just stare at it until I give her the okay. Um, but yeah, we're working on spin now. 
Jesus. Okay. This yeah. is reminding me of like the Simpsons episode where they get laddie because it's like yeah. also part border collie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. She's she pretty much house trained herself in in twenty four hours. What? She, she was like, okay, they seem to be happier if I'm outside when I do this, and so that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> It's nuts. She's she's so good. Okay, well, here's a segue. Speaking of rolling over, the Canucks will not do it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the Canucks. Oh man. I gotta ask you this because this is a specific hockey experience that a fan base may never get again. But I was texting you on the night that this happened, but what is it like to have your team miss 24 games or 24 days because they literally have a viral illness that is terrorizing the entire planet, come back and beat the Leafs twice? What does that (laughs) feel like? Uh, Well, it was extra sweet because it was the Leafs. Um, When you're a Canucks fan that lives in Toronto, uh, it's just like bombardment of hatred towards you all the time. Uh, and I've like I've lived in and around Toronto most of my life, except for when I lived in Vancouver. And uh, it's I don't I don't even hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just hate their fans. Uh, apologies to Leaf fans that I'm speaking with. Uh, <laughs> just get battered. My whole life, I've had them yelling in my face, "This is our year!" And I'm like, "You guys aren't gonna even sniff the playoffs, let alone." I'm not talking now. They have a pretty good team now. Uh, so anytime you beat the Leafs, it's sweet. Uh, when you beat the Leafs after your entire team almost dies, it's that much weirder. <laughs> so uh, it was, yeah, that was pretty amazing. So the thing is, like, because we're, 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 we've been getting into, excuse me, like the Flames, you know, the Habs are slipping and the Flames are kind of surging a little bit. But Vancouver pretty much has, like, mathematically, they're not that different from the Flames. I mean, they have a, a, a larger runway ahead of them and a lot more games to play. But if they go on it, like, this could be the Cinderella of all Cinderella runs. It's not super likely. It's looking at about 10%, but it's more likely than last week and much more likely than the week before. Do you, like, wh- what are your hope levels at, you think? Well, again, I'm a Canucks fan, so extremely low. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're just used to disappointment. Uh, there's been – they've lost the Stanley Cup final all three times they've ever been there. Uh, mm-hmm. Once in 94 where they lost in game seven, obviously the, the famous uh, Messier prediction. Uh, and then, of course, in, what was it, 2011, I want to say, that they lost to the Bruins. And, like, the, the loss to the Bruins was devastating uh, for me because I was so certain they were going to win that one. I was like, they are just top to bottom a much better team. And, uh, I mean – They were up 3-1, to one too, were they not? Were they up 3-1? They were up 2-0, and, uh, and yeah. they, lost, they lost every game in Boston. And including, I think, Luongo led in 15 goals in the first two games there, which isn't all on Luongo. It's on Vignal for not taking him out. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was that was so frustrating. And it was like, I mean, Kessler was playing on one leg and Henrik Sedin was also playing on one leg. And um, Dan Hamhues didn't play a single game in that series. So, like, they were short. They were pretty shorthanded, but I was still so certain they were going to win and they didn't pull it out. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you when you when you're a Canucks fan, you're just you set the bar really low, and anything else that happens is great. 
the, the one thing I'll always remember, uh, and not to dwell on the past too long, but the one thing I'll always remember on that playoff is I remember when Aaron Rome got uh, – it was like a power bomb, like a wrestling move by Johnny Boychuk. And the second he went down, you'd mentioned Hamus was already down as well. And I was like, oh, boy, this is it. Like, when you lose two of your top six defensemen within three games left, that's yeah. blood in the water. Yeah, and also, like, one thing that – again, not to dwell on the past, but one thing that always <laughs> infuriated me about somehow uh, Brad Marchand stuck his – fingers in um in burrow's mouth and burrow's bit down and somehow burrow's was the bad guy <laughs> in that situation yeah like, i'm assuming you guys have all smelled a hockey glove before if somebody puts that in my mouth i'm doing the same thing i challenge you to find somebody who wouldn't so uh, that always i i couldn't understand why burrow's was the villain in that situation yet yet marchand <laughs> who's one of the biggest pricks hockey's ever seen was just like, oh, why did he bite Brad's finger? Yeah. I mean, perhaps even society at this point. I think society's yeah. well, on the table. If I One look back on that series, if I look back on that series, what I think about that is miscast villainy because everyone is like Tom T- T- Tom Timmis. <laughs> Tim Thomas is a lovable everyman, and Luongo is this cocky superstar. And Brad, yeah. Bar- you know, people that never love Brad Marchand. I don't even. I'm not even going to try to pretend that. But it was like I remember even in Canada, people. Were, I remember even I was like, I think I'm going for the Bruins. And I'm looking back, and I like. Tim Thomas like lives in a bunker, like surrounded by I don't know, reading Ayn Rand or something. There's one thing I want to get to. I didn't one pronounce one, one name right in that entire sentence, and none of them are hard. <laughs> The the moment I like the moment the whole Tim Thomas welcoming party uh, like and everyone's like oh it's such a good story ended for me is when that story was going around that his parents hawked their wedding rings to buy him a set of goalie pads and NBC is like so if you you know if you do it in the NHL you get a ring are you gonna give that to your dad and he's like absolutely not and I was like dude what a psychopath yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean it's like you've been riding this media train for so long it's like ooh. This guy, bad vibes. Also, people kept talking about how incredible he was because his save percentage was so high. But if you actually watched the games and looked at the saves he was making, it was like nobody is anywhere near the net. Like the Bruins would collapse and you just couldn't – he didn't – like even when he gave up rebounds, there was nobody anywhere near the puck from the Canucks to get to it. Like, yeah, he he made the stops he had to make, but they weren't super challenging. Like – to put him on a pedestal, other like nobody other than Boston fans really did long term. But at that yeah. time, the narrative around the league was like, "Oh my God, Tim Thomas is incredible!" And it's like, I mean, he's doing his job. <laughs> yeah, that blue line in front in front of Thomas was was pretty incredible. Let me ask you this: This is a bigger scale question, but. It must be crazy to lose in the finals. Like, is the delight of the run to get there worth how much it must suck to lose? And I mean that with as much sensitivity as I can muster. Uh, you know what? I'm glad you asked that question, actually, because in the moment it is not. Like, when the, the moment the other team hoists the cup, you're just like, well, why did we even make the playoffs? Like, you're livid. But now, like, that's 10 years ago now. Like, I look back fondly on that team. I loved that run. Um, that was a great 
it was a great team. They won the President's Trophy like three out of four years or something. They were phenomenal. They were so much fun to watch. Of course, I, you know, I, I, I wish they hoisted Lord Stanley, but um, yeah, I mean, it's still not just nice to be there, to have that, that run, to watch your team that late into the season, literally the most, the latest you possibly can into game seven. It's heartbreaking, but I, I would certainly rather watch that team than not make the playoffs. Yeah, and it's it's another thing that is watching a playoff win is such an amazing feeling. And you think about it, even if you make it to the to the Stanley Cup Finals and you lose, even if you got swept in the finals, that's twelve playoff wins. Is it? No, it's good luck. Yeah, no, 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 is it twelve? Three times. Well, no, yeah, if you got swept in the finals. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's, that's so funny. I've been looking at like statistical probabilities, and now I'm like, what's four times three? <laughs> Speaking of this, again, off subject for a second, but my all-time favorite doofus hockey quote was uh, when Eric Lindros on the Flyers was playing Detroit in the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Flyers dropped two at home to start the series, and they asked asked Lindros after the game how he felt, and he said, we got them right where we want them. (laughs) Oh, man, this guy is certifiably stupid. Uh, And then, of course, they lost the next two games. But, uh, yeah, that that always cracked me up. And then they really had them where they wanted them. Yeah. Now they're not going to expect us to come back from 4-0. Um, okay, we asked this to Brittany Lysing last week. Current uh, Vancouver Canuck player who does not get enough love from the rest of the country slash the media? Uh, this is probably going to sound insane, but the answer is Bo Horvat. Um, it's insane because he's the captain, and it's like, of course. Uh, but I don't think people realize how good he is and how important he is to the team. Um, he's like a true captain. Uh, he doesn't. He's not the 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 stat sheet guy. He's not the guy who's lighting the lamp every single night. But uh, just from a leadership standpoint, that guy does everything. He's, in my opinion, one of the best captains in the entire NHL. Um, and I just don't think he gets a ton of love because he isn't the best scorer on the team. Uh, because he doesn't always lead in the point category. I mean, he's absolutely insane in faceoffs. Like he's an assassin in the dot. But, um, yeah, for me, for me, it's Bo Horvat. Like, that guy just really doesn't get the respect for, for just how talented he is. I hope he never plays for another team. Um, mm. He's exactly if – if I'm building a prototypical captain, uh, he's, he's my guy. So, in the 90s – I have a term for that. I call them 90s captains. Because in the 90s, it's like your captain was not exactly your flashy goal scorer. He was like the go-to, like jump on the back when the cards are down type of thing. And you kind of, we've moved away from that in the modern NHL, but like the Buffalo Sabres were kind of famous for it. Like their best player was historically not really their captain. Uh, Late career Steve Eiserman is another one that I kind of always look at. And maybe that's why I love him so much because like that was the 90s when I was you know, my formative years and glued to the NHL. And, and so that's who I truly love and respect as a captain. But uh, uh, yeah, I just, I, I think Bo Horvat just, you know, like real insane hockey fans are just like, oh yeah, Bo, Bo Horvat's insane. But I think that like the average NHL fan and certainly fans of other teams just don't give him his love. All right. So uh, we're going to ask you now if you have any final thoughts and we would like your prediction for who's coming out of this division. Ooh. 
Cool. Any final thoughts about the Canucks going forward? If you have any, or or the division would be fine. And then, uh, yeah, what you're hoping in the future and who you think is coming out of this. Um, well, I'd love to say I think the Canucks are coming out of it. Uh, maybe they will. Who knows? Maybe they, maybe they, they, they do this. Um, I, hope, I hope Montreal doesn't. Because, <laughs> and to be honest with you, I, like, I've always kind of been, like, I've always had a soft spot for the Habs. My dad's a Habs fan. Uh, it, Habs fans really rubbed me the wrong way at the start of this year. It doesn't help that they got Toffoli for a song when I have no idea why they let him walk. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to, to back the Leafs right now, too. Um, you know. They, they're still a little bit soft on the back end for me to truly believe in them. Sorry, guys. Uh, but, yeah, prob- probably the Leafs. I will take it. I will take it even with your asterisks. Uh, and sorry, did I answer both or all questions? I don't know. There's, well, yeah, I think the last thing is, like, probably just where you're at with the Canucks, like, future, whether they squeak into the playoffs or no going forward to next year. Do you think Gillis is the guy, or are you just kind of hoping for something kind of uh, – you hoping for a shift in direction? Where are you feeling? How are you feeling? Well, it's tough to, to, to say. I mean, like, I have two schools of thought on Benning. Uh, he's handed out some terrible contracts. Most notably, the Louis Erickson contract is, is the worst – contract Ooh, yeah. probably in professional sports um and that's hampered them from getting another marquee guy um so with with him still on like even their bio next year only saves them a million bucks like they need they got to jump through some hoops because Pedersen's coming up for contracts so is Quinn Hughes you obviously need to sign those guys their core is incredible when you look yeah. at the last four years yeah. Um, Besser was a shoe in to win the Calder before he got injured. Uh, then PD won the Calder. Um, Quinn Hughes was right there for it. And Hoglander's having a great rookie season. So their young core is fantastic. It's, I just don't know if they're going to have the money to build around them right now. And also, like, I'm a big Thatcher Demko guy. Uh, yeah. When he was in the World Juniors, the States leaned on him so heavily, and he was phenomenal. So I was I was thrilled when they got him. So Benning's doing a great job drafting, it looks like, uh, or their scouts at least. But, um, yeah, there's there's some bad contracts that they got to get off the books before I, I really will look at them as a, as a contender. I mean, any team can get hot and go on a run in the, in the playoffs, especially if their goalie gets hot. I mean, we've seen it countless times where a goalie will drag their team kicking and screaming to the finals. So uh, they have, they have the players there, but I think they need to get some ugly contracts off the books before, uh, before they really step up. Totally. This, this could sound crazy, but Jim Benning to me, just because of his draft history and how he's built that core always kind of fit the bill as the firing by promotion. Like they did it to Pat Quinn once where they're just like, you're no longer the GM. You're the president of hockey ops, <laughs> meaning like we are taking away free agent contracts from you, but we still yeah. want you around because of some things you can do. Yeah, I mean, his draft history, there's a couple of missteps. Like Ewell Levy's been a bit of a bust, um, but uh, – and, and Vertanen obviously never shook out. Uh, he's okay. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would love for him to continue to, to be the draft guy, but – like, please do not give contracts to Louis Erickson like that. <laughs> yeah, it's obscene. Jay matter. Beagle is another one. I remember I remember seeing, the. I think it's the Jay Beagle contract. Uh, yeah, was he... Beagle got way uh, too much money for what he is. 
Yeah, um, I remember. I would argue that Roussel got too much money for who he is as yeah, well. Yeah, the bottom six cap allocation is insane. Every yeah. time, every time that not to say every time people complain about the Mariner contract, I'm like, listen, I do think I wish he was a couple million bucks cheaper, but I'd rather be paying a guy like Mariner or Pedersen a couple two million more than they're worth than having a bunch of guys who are like they're not going to move the needle here for us at all, and it pains me to criticize a man named Jay Beagle. I couldn't – I don't know if there's a better name in the division right now. Yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a good name for sure. But, I, I mean, you know, we were talking about this before, but the – trading to get Tyler Toffoli and seeing how well he played. And then it seems like they didn't even make an effort to sign him because Montreal didn't pay much for him. So – like losing him hurt, but losing him and seeing that that's all he signed elsewhere for, that yeah. was devastating. And then, of course, he's on fire. So. Oh, he's killing it, yeah. Oh, yeah, just murdering you guys. Like, it's it's one oh, of those yeah. things. It's like 47 goals against the Canucks this year? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I think that's it, yeah. Single-handedly getting the boss that wouldn't give him a raise fired. Yeah, no, it's uh, – you're absolutely right. That's been the most frustrating part. And and – Another guy, uh, underrated Canuck, former Canuck, was Chris Tanev. Uh, I think oh, yeah. a lot of their struggles in the back end was letting Tanev go. He's such an unsung player, and you see it. Like, you see them struggling on the back end without him. Uh, he's so good. And they let him go. He didn't sign for that much. So, uh, And it looks like it made Quinn Hughes sad. And if you make Quinn Hughes sad, you should be in prison. You really should. He's <laughs> such a sweet kid. Yeah, he rules. All right, well, we're going to have to let you go there now too, buddy, because our Zoom time is almost up. But uh, appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we'll see you now in a couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, and uh, I'm going to go walk my dog. All right, buddy. Thanks, Rob. Nice. Go walk, right. uh, and I'm going to walk my Jay Beagle. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Oh, see you, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, Rob, for coming on. I specifically <laughs> want to thank Rob for spending more time with us than Jim Benning spent trying to re-sign Tyler Toffoli. Ooh, Lord. Ooh, Lord, <laughs> indeed. That is I, You know, it's funny, when we were talking to him, uh, I had a bunch of questions there, and you only have so much time, so I did not ask all of them, but I was like, I'm not going to bring up Tyler Toffoli. One, He'll because he's it. a nice guy, and he's my friend. Uh, two, because every podcast we were like, how the shit did this happen? And, but I decided against it and little did we know he brought it right back up. So oh, this yeah. podcast has kind of turned into ask every comedian in Canada, what the hell happened with Tyler Toffoli? And, uh, I don't think it's the last time this is going to come up, but we did have a week last week where we did not have much on the jets and that ain't this week because there's a lot <laughs> happening in Jets town. Where do we start? Where do, where do we start with this? I mean, everyone is well, okay, well let's start here. I think <laughs> because they're on a three game losing streak. First of all, they lost twice to the Leafs last week, uh, which was, you know, after watching them lose to the Canucks twice and then beat the Jets twice. I was like, this is the dumbest fucking sport in the world. Uh, but to just to we so we don't awkwardly segue to the Leafs by accident, let's start okay. with Nick Ehlers. Now, Nick Ehlers is the guy who, if you ask me which player I have come to appreciate the most 
in this division because I've seen more of him. Nick Ehlers is that guy for me. He's so good. I can't believe it's like this isn't even an ironic answer, but for me, it's it's still going to be Connor McDavid. <laughs> like, <for laughs> you know, me, it's like. <laughs> It's like, I don't know. The guy just does like, anyway, we'll get to the Oilers. Uh, Nick Ehlers is one guy that. Hang on though. No, I don't think what you just said then is, is as, is as weird of a point as you think. I want to pull you out of that. Cause I don't think that's that weird of a thing to say because it's oftentimes it's like every week I look at the guy's stats. And I'm like, who's playing this week? Who's playing well this week? And McDavid yeah. is always there and he's so good. And that it's so automatic. He, that I think. It's almost hard to talk about he's, him. He's teetering on he's teetering on the Gretzky rule. So like anyone who was in a hockey pool or a fantasy hockey league in the like nineties and the late eighties, there was the Gretzky rule where you just couldn't take Gretzky because whoever had him on their team won. That was it. There, so there was the Gretzky rule. He just was omitted from the league because he was too good. So I think McDavid's teetering on that. But the thing that always points like it's like the the takeaway I always have is he always adds something to his toolbox each summer. That's ridiculous. This year it was speed. So he can do stuff at like his top flight that players just can't like, there's some guys who are like when they're skating at their top speed, all they can do is skate at their top speed. Their stick becomes an instrument of balance. McDavid can skate at his top speed and stick handle and deke and raise the puck and all of it's, it's a comedy show. Like it's just, you could play the Benny Hill theme whenever he gets the puck and starts motoring up because it's just everyone is defenseless to it. But anyway, back to Nick Ehlers. One hang on, I got one more McDavid thing. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, and you know it's fine because I don't have much Oilers stuff, so this is this is okay, I think, yeah, really yeah. good. That's, I think what's yeah. most impressed me real quick about McDavid this year is defensively he has been. Incre- well, not incredible. He's been very good. You know what I mean? He's certainly not the defensive presence that he was before, but like last year, he wasn't a positive possession player somehow. It was just, he was just burning guys on the counter, which is still, I'm not saying that because he wasn't a good possession player, he wasn't good. He's the best player in the world. But the fact that he is now a competent defensive player really is, uh, it's, an, it's a real impressive step. I was looking at it. I'm pretty sure in Edmonton, I think when they have about, it's, I literally think it's like, 85% expected goals when he's on the ice and like 30 when he's not. And it's both so incredible that that is true about him and that that is true about everyone else on that team. Thank God Brad Nugent Hopkins is back. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the numbers offhand, but I saw like a little infographic today. It was like the Oilers when McDavid's on the ice, their goal differentials like plus 131. And McDo- Mc, Mc, the Oilers when McDavid – McDavid is not on the ice is like minus 80 something. And I'm like, how does that even happen? I'll tell you one thing, Charles. We have never done a worse job pronouncing players' <laughs> names. We're not trying to say Arminisimov. We're like, Coinor McDavid. I tried to say Cole Caulfield, and I think I died. I think a ghost <laughs> left my body. I'm just a soulless man on a hockey podcast. Uh, so... <laughs> It's That's my almost, new Tinder bio. There's a nine out of ten chance that this <laughs> 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 man on a podcast. <laughs> oh. 
so right. there's a uh, there's a not there's a nine out of ten chance the Leafs are gonna finish first, and that's not a that's not an expression that's not an, an expression. Jesus Christ! I'm gonna fucking let's, let's quit halfway back. through let's this. Back. It is. It's about ninety percent chance that the Leafs finish first, based on uh, money puck odds. The so it's gonna be the Oilers and the Jets in the first round. Mm-hmm. The Oilers are looking more likely to have home ice, uh, and the Jets are doing nothing to change that recently. That's right, baby. <laughs> We're back on the Jets. We found our way back. Isn't that nice? So, Nick Ehlers, what I was going to say, I can't believe it took me this long to say this, is he's injured. <laughs> he's out for the season. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. I, I, I tell you. <laughs> We have uh, – the train has left the station here. Nick Ehlers is done for the season, but part of me thinks this might be a little bit of a load management trick. Part of me kind of gets that vibe. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I just think – I think what Nick Ehlers is dealing with is definitely an injury, but I think what Nick Ehlers is dealing with is one of those things that's like, hey, if you play hurt, can it get worse? Yes. If you don't play at all, will you be ready to go for the playoffs? Yes. It's a no-brainer at this point i don't think the jets are in any at all like i don't think they're at any risk of missing right now just because of the, they're not. the gap between yeah the gap between three and four there is just so vast so i think it's kind of a load management thing the one thing about the jets i am kind of worried about is their captain who missed some time with an injury came back was the victim of a, a reverse hit that he didn't see coming on saturday night and as exciting as it is to see a reverse hit by Rasmus Sandin, I feel yeah, obligated by Rasmus Sandin, yep. PK Subban had one of the uh, <laughs> Enter Sandman. PK Subban had one of the greatest reverse hits, like in the history. Oh of yeah. yeah, he was and and oh my! I was watching that clip of PK Subban scoring that goal out of the penalty box against the Bruins the other day, and there may not be a more exciting goal I've ever seen live. And I will say that like prime. P.K. Subban was incredible. It was and I hated tank. him so much. He made me yeah. so mad, but, like, man, was he ever good. It's the first time I've seen a reverse hit that, like, blew the guy up. And I think most of it was just Blake Wheeler didn't expect something to come from a rookie like that. And he was also mm-hmm. like, okay, this guy's not – because you don't see it at all. You don't see the reverse hit very much at all. It's like he didn't think it was coming from a rookie – also, people kind of underestimate just how full of a player Rasmus Sandin is. Like, he's built like a brick shithouse, man. Like, yeah. I saw him here a year and a half ago at camp, like, just in his, like, I don't know, workout, like, tracksuit. And I was like, Jesus Christ, who is this jacked-up man-child? Like, which one of the Avengers is that? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, he's 18 years old. I have... I am old enough to be that guy's parents. Well, it is funny, though, because, like, I get what you're saying, and people are like, oh, that's a rookie. I would have never expected that out of a rookie. But if I were at any other – in as a man, as a man in life, if I saw a 34-year-old run into a 20-year-old, the 34-year-old's going to fall down. Rasmus Dahlin can't even get hung over properly yet. He's got no miles on him at all. Well, That's first, a I'm weird reverse thought I'm, thing. It's like I'm the gonna, younger guy's sturdier. I'm going to stop you right there because it wasn't Rasmus Darlene. It was Rasmus Sandine, but I get what you're saying. Oh, I got the wrong Rasmus. 
<laughs> you got the wrong Rasmus. There's only three in the league. Two there, are two, there are two 21-year-old Rasmuses in the yeah, league. There's, there's, there's three in the league, and they're all 45-minute drive away from one another. I got to be honest. With the state of the Buffalo Sabres, one of their players accidentally being in the wrong rink and hitting a guy with his ass would not, be the, would not surprise me. In fact, might explain a little bit more about their team. So, yeah, I mean, I think Miller looks hurt for sure. I think, I mean, it's not for sure. Another guy that's hurt is, is, you know what's funny? I was about to say Kyle Lowry. That's so funny. Adam Lowry is out from a hit from Galchenyuk, and uh, Mm -hmm. I would have not expected anyone to be injured from a hit from Galchenyuk. If you put a bet on that, you would be fucking rich. But if we're (laughs) going to talk about, if you're going to talk about load management with the Winnipeg Jets, I would like to discuss some load management that Paul Maurice is doing, such as load managing Mark Shifley halfway through the game because, yeah, people are not happy with Paul Maurice this week. And I'm not talking about fans. I'm talking about players. Like, Shifley got benched, and he was visibly mad. And Mark Shifley... He's a flawed He's no defensive player. Him. He's got known. I mean, I it's, I couldn't agree. Oh my god, I couldn't agree less. He's got all neck. That man's neck could could break me apart. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. His neck is just more muscular than the average man's shoulders. That man's neck. neck could, that man's neck could injure a thirty-four-year-old man just by backing into it. Uh, that that was something, eh? To see like the the, the it's like, hey, how'd you respond to your benching? It's like, well, first off, I don't agree with it, and neither do any of my teammates. It's that's a shot across. Is that the, the quote? Oh, there. Well, in, in layman's terms, like it wasn't. Uh, so Maurice threw him under the bus. Maurice's direct quote, quote was, "Yeah, Maurice's direct quote was something along the lines of like, look, we've got uh, a set of principles how we play the game as a team, and that's why he was benched. And then you expect like." The, the hockey player quote from Shifley to be like, yeah, we talked about it. It wasn't the right thing, but, you know, I'm going to come back. And Shifley was just like, nope, don't agree with it. Do not agree with it. And then the Twitter speculation being that, you know, Shifley is speaking amongst the core of the team as well, that they didn't – they kind of probably felt that they could have came back in that game if he was on the ice in the third period. Mm-hmm. So – I, I Paul Maurice is kind of an enigma. I've got a friend of mine uh, in in Winnipeg who does not like Paul Maurice. Shout out to my friend Joel. He has been after Paul Maurice this entire year. He didn't want him extended. I believe last year was when <laughs> what he do you got mean extended. he's been after him? <laughs> oh, just like That's driving ominous. by his house, driving by his house, yelling <laughs> like that. Not holding the door open for him whenever he sees him in public, Canadian stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. But he's just been saying, like, this team is better than what people think it is in terms of poise of a core, and they don't want to get caught in the dreaded middle because of boneheaded coaching stuff. Like, Sure. I mean, I get it, but... I don't, I don't know. It's just every time you bench a guy like that, it just becomes such a story that it feels irresponsible to do it. it I yeah, get it. If you, Listen, I'm not, Shifley's not going to like, you know, Shifley's not going to win a Selkie, but like just load him up on offensive zone starts. Just you, you, not every player needs to be great defensively. I know he's trying to send a message or whatever, but just talk to the man. So one thing that I've always asked, because we've seen a lot more of this this season, um, I think 80% of it is in torts, but I think that uh, 
is a benching a player who's been a bit of a like a liability like a bit of a liability is that message that you're sending quote unquote message is that worth the trade-off especially if you're in a canadian market is that worth the trade-off of the media circus that that is going to create and i gotta tell you not often am i gonna say that it is no and, and is it worth is it worth having your team short a forward when they were already short two forwards they when you need yeah, like and you need he's your best player. Like he's integral to your offense. They're running their power play yeah. pretty much. Like he's he's always there on their power play. Players practice with the idea that he's gonna be a key cog there, and it just seems unnecessarily disruptive. Like take him in after the game, show him the film, and figure it out after. The other I, thing I just don't get it. When the Leaf, when they when they lost to the Leafs in the not the Saturday night game, the one that I believe was on Thursday. Mm-hmm. He Hellebuck got pulled early, yeah. early, and he and guess what? He was pissed too, man. Yeah, and, that was. The and I'm not saying one. it's not wrong to pull a goalie early, especially a goal a goalie like Hellebuck who has played so many minutes that it's just like you know what? Let's get him out of here and get a bit of a rest. But he wanted to stay in and fight, and uh, I think that there's a lot of discontent in that room with uh, with Maurice. He, uh, yeah, he also said that he didn't agree with the decision to get pulled, and he said it to the media, which is like one thing when players say that, and then it's another thing when you grab like a dude with a tape recorder or you're on a Zoom call, but it's like, all right, I know this is being recorded, and I'm still going to do it. Like that is a that's a that's a warning shot. In my oh mind, yeah, man. that yeah. is uh, two guys in yeah. a week. Yeah, two guys and like two guys that let's be real are. Uh, big 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 pieces of that franchise like you know the cliche you can't change 39 players but you can change one coach you're not going to change either of those players you're going to change one coach yeah and it's you know paul maurice has a a you know he's won almost 60 percent of his games as the jets coach he's not a terrible coach but every coach has a shelf life they really don't that's like a 95 point pace which is good not great the Jets, honestly, you know, we've talked about this the whole time. We don't need to tread this ground again, but their blue line's not really good enough to complain about the defensive play of one forward. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, they're going to have a fun matchup with the with the with the Oilers, and they had a fun matchup with the Leafs. And I mean, I think it's interesting. There's you could see the frustration in those Leafs games. Like those Jets players were fucking pissed off. That like Ehlers was. Ehlers was injured when he was spearing Joe Thornton in the pills. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, that's something, isn't it? You slash a man in the penis. <laughs> like, you just, I, and it's just, I've never seen, like, everyone's like, whoa, Joe Thornton has snapped. And when you have a beard that that's great, like, you look like you've been living in the mountains uncontacted for about 22 years. <laughs> yeah. And you snap like that, that is terrifying oh That's for terrifying sure for me watching it all i was afraid i was like is he gonna kill this kid like i love that be- from ehlers though i love it from thornton and i love it from ehlers i, I think it's great I, television I, I think it shows yeah, it a lot was. of i think it shows a lot of fight from ehlers especially knowing that he was injured i th- man i he, he's like a guy that 
don't get me wrong, it pisses me off as a fan of an opposing team, but like as a hockey fan, I'm like, this guy's a goddamn blast. He looks like like he looks like Draco Malfoy a little bit, and he's just got this shit-eating grin on the on him, and he's had such a good year. I hope he comes back ready to go for the playoffs because that firepower series with the Jets and the Oilers. What, you know how sometimes teams in the playoffs will go like 11 forwards and 7D? Mm-hmm. I think in that series, both teams should go 3D and then however many forwards they can trick the refs into letting <laughs> yeah. them play because there's no D happening anyway. Just shitty. I, I think that that series is going to be – like everyone's like, oh, you can't win in the playoffs with just one line. And Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are going to be like, fucking watch us. Like, just watch us. Well, they're split up now. They have uh, – they they because they, Nugent Hopkins is back, so they can oh, sh- straighten yeah. it out a little bit. Yeah. But uh, – I mean, uh, oh, here's one thing, real quick on the Jets before we before we switch yep. Uh, yep. to the Leafs. Cole Perfetti, mm-hmm. uh, eight points in his last four games. He's second in scoring on the Manitoba Moose. He is tearing up a professional league. Do you give him a look in the season to see if he might be a playoff contender? I know he's a child, but yeah. he is so good. He's going to be such a great player for the Jets. I personally am pulling him up, just getting a little look. Give him some of Ehlers minutes. The games don't mean anything. Take a look. Yeah, that, see what you got. If, if they were in, if they were in a race situation, I would say no. They're not. They're mm-hmm. they're set. There is no standings race. So I think he gets maybe a game or two. You don't want to risk the chance of like him getting injured or anything like that that might hurt his development because these games are going to get chippy. That's the other thing. Like. You're not just throwing him into the NHL. You're throwing him into the craziest, angriest period that you've been playing the same teams eight times, nine times. Yeah, but man, uh, let me ask you this, because I think that's a thing that I worry about a lot. But I'm not certain chippy games really correlate with a higher risk of injury. That's fair. These guys are skating around at like... 40 kilometers an hour. Most of the injuries are pretty random. Or they're like some guy does something super shitty, like a hit from behind, just out of nowhere. And it's not because he's mad. I think a lot of the anger related, I think that's kind of an overblown narrative. And I'd like to see, if if I'm the Leafs, if I'm the Oilers, or if I'm the Jets, I'm playing mad scientist for the rest of the year. I'm giving every kid a look. I'm trying out different line combos. I'm going fucking wild. Speaking of trying out different things, Joe Thornton, let's get into this mountain man. Oh, as okay. Right Here we go. So this was not something I expected because it is very common for a team who seems like they're on the cusp of contending to be like, we got to get some anger. We got to get some bite in here. We got to get some veteran you know, some guy who's going to make things hard on other players. I thought that – I never thought that was Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton has played this year like he's a, he's reinvented himself as like a fourth-line pest, and I love it. I thought – I honestly thought the Leafs gave Scott, Scott Sabrin a look, I don't know, six games ago they called him up for two, maybe to see if he could bring that – and he looked fine, but something with Joe in the last two games, he just snapped. He is just like he is. He's he, he just went, and especially on Saturday night's game, like he reminded me of like Hulk Hogan when he started <laughs> flipping out. Like there was one point when he was yelling and he was just breathing. Like he just looked at Joe Thornton and he was like, 
I was like, what which is, is pretty this? ominous in a COVID season, honestly. Like, I was, I was thinking, I was like, if if he like if he starts going absolutely like swinging the stick and stuff, like this could be an international incident here. Like, yeah. but so to your point about Thornton and where did that come from? I honestly think Sheldon Keefe told him to. I think they probably had a conversation. Ooh. They're like, look, we tried to play you in the top six. It's not working, and you're not going to be a key cog in the power play. I don't think – I'm not trying to say that he's not going to have some moments of magic because mm-hmm. I bet he will. But I mm-hmm. do think that he's going to be like, hey, we're going to need a spark in the playoffs from the guys who are in the bottom six. I would rather have a guy who can pass like a Hall of Famer who doesn't mind throwing a few hits and then, you know, somebody untested. And I think the fact that – I think he was just like, yep, I'll do it. I don't care. I'm 42 years old. I want to win a cup. Whatever you want from me, I'm Whatever doing my best. Man, it was fun. It was uh, – I, I don't know if you, if you read the piece in uh, – I don't know if it was in Sports Center of the Athletic about his lawn. Like Joe Thornton is just absolutely obsessed with his lawn. Like, he's just, every day he mows his grass, like, a couple of millimeters or whatever, and he's always on his mower. Even when he signed that contract, when he signed the lease contract, he was on his mower. So all I could think about was, like, what's making him that mad? And it's just in his mind, he's like, Nick Ehlers, get off my lawn. Because he's such an old man, too. It's like the perfect get off my lawn moment. Oh, my God. If you were to show me a picture of every man's face on the Toronto Maple Leafs and make me guess which one (laughs) would be very strict about how they care for their lawn, that man with a beard that literally looks like a fucking old man's beard in a tree, he's not my guest there. He's not your guest. Oh, he is like... A guy he's who cares top, about his lawn? Look, he doesn't care yeah. about his own fucking face. No, he's top three for me. He's top three. I would put Jake Muzzin before him just a little bit because I know Muzzin's the golf guy. So I bet Muzzin, like, he's the – they call him golf channel. Like, he's obsessed with golf. So I bet his lawn looks like a fucking fairway. I don't but, know uh, how we're here. How are we here? What What is happening? We have to cover seven teams, and we're like, oh, we got lots of time. Now, nine minutes on who would have the best lawn for 60. <laughs> I will say that uh, Jake Muzzin, he said this He said this about Thornton. He said, he's leading the way out here, there. It's beautiful. And I remember when we were talking about Taylor Hall, which we won't. I just have to say his name on this podcast every week somehow. But when we were, oh, people were like, you can't just get you can't just get, <laughs> you can't just get Taylor Hall because this is not a video game. A video game doesn't make a good team. But the Leafs right now are built like a video game. They have all these old guys who are like at the end of their careers who went to free agency. They, it's more of a video game move to have Simmons and Thornton on a fourth line with a rookie who's played three games and anything else. I'm- I'm going to interrupt you there. I don't think the Leafs are a video game. I think it's a movie. It's like a movie that you watch, like it's Slapshot or Major League or something like that. Like those those movies exist. Like where oh yeah, Paul they're Newman, making one. Yeah, where like Paul Newman is, you know, one last go at it in the Federal League and all yeah. that stuff. Like, I I think th- these guys are like yeah everything's fucked now. And uh, if I was ever going to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, this is my chance oh it's insane the only thing yeah. about it is like that actually is going to be a movie like like we said yeah. uh, i think it's being made by a company called amazon which is great because yeah. as we all know that during the pandemic we need to support small business so I perhaps think, you've heard of them yes hopefully they'll do a little curbside delivery would be nice 
It is a movie, though. Even Leafs villain Cody Cece has 10 points in 10 games. He's killing it. One more I, uh, thing about the Leafs, I think. Well, actually, there's okay. a couple more things, and I don't want to harp on this because it's already over. But David Riddick last week against the Vancouver Canucks. We talked about the Vancouver game, and I was like, you know what? I don't even fucking care. This is about the Canucks. This is a cool story. I watched David Riddick play, and it is it's it's the it was the worst non-Toscala performance I have ever seen by a Leafs goaltender. And I'm not, it's been a week since that happened. So I'm not coming in hot. I've had time to think about this and it's the worst. I don't know anything that's worse. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Um, Part of me is like, you know what? Don't ever fucking bring a goalie into the organization again and not have him dressed with the team colors. Like, right off the bat. Like, and I know it's like, Jesus Christ, you're stretching here now. But again, I'm a superstitious guy. Like, that's just kind of the thing for me. Like, I look at that game and it's bad enough, but I'm like, he's, I feel like that's Simpsons gag where Krusty the Clown's like, he's spinning the ball on his finger. I'm like, he's wearing red pants. <laughs> Not only is this like embarrassing, it's like, it's like we found this guy at a bus stop. It's like, hey, buddy. Yeah. What are you doing tonight? Nothing. <laughs> Wait, Ned? All right. You got pads? Too high ever. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't know. It's I don't I honestly I don't fucking care if his pads have literal Montreal Canadiens logos on them if he makes a few extra saves. I don't care. Michael Hutchinson. I don't want him to play, but Michael Hutchinson has a 918 save percentage this year. It's one of the best in the league. If I'm him, I'm not saying I want him because we're so scared by Michael Hutchinson, but if I'm him, I'm pissed off because he played good with Colorado last week. He played, he's played good this year, and they bring in Riddick, and he has not been good. I said on the last podcast, I was like, I was like, okay, you know what? Next year, Riddick and and uh, Jack Campbell, who by the way is back in form, predictably. I said that that would be a fine tandem in one game, and this goes against everything I believe in about hockey. I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm not, I can't have it. I'm sorry. This oh is my the God. line. This is this is like that that movie where they switch they switch. What is it? Freaky Friday. This feels like you're me and I'm you. <laughs> I know. Right now, I'm gonna. I, I'm. I'm just trying to work away the fact to work away into this conversation to find a way to say that Mark Bergevin was a defenseman. So he keeps acquiring defensemen. And then I'm going to suddenly be wearing your glasses. All right. We have 10 minutes left. So let's, uh, I got to say this one thing. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, this will transition us into the senators because uh, obviously this is a senators podcast and we got to make sure that we get into the meat of the Ottawa senators. But Here's the and guys who are the leaders of points per 60 in the NHL. There's a list of 10. The names on it from the division are guys who you would expect. McDavid, Marner, Matthews, Dreisaitl. There's one more guy on there. Jason fucking Spezza. Jason Spezza this year is who people thought that Joe Thornton was going to be. Um, he's been so good. I, I I said earlier that if there's a guy who could move up to the top six, uh, I don't think it's Thornton. I think it's Spezza, and you disagreed with me. Do you still disagree? Uh, no, I do. I no longer disagree. Um, if you follow my 
Twitter, uh, one, God help you if you do, but two, you have, have seen a trend with anything Jason Spezza related in the last, I don't know, two and a half months. I just quote retweet it, tag Kyle Dubas and say, if the Leafs do not bring back Jason Spezza on the same contract, I will simply die. And he's got to come back. I, I, I've tagged Kyle Dubas' Twitter like every time. I don't know. Like, they just got to bring him back. He's, he's, he's earned it. He did not be – like, he didn't huff or puff at all when they put him on waivers. They were like, yeah, it's part of the business. I don't think I'm going anywhere. I might retire. He's only 36. Like, Joe's hanging around until he's 41. Oh, I, honestly, if Spezza asked for two years of that money, I'm giving it to him. Yeah, same. And then I'm I'm safe from those tweets for two years. Well, let me just uh, say this real quick because we do have to get to the ends before we run out of time. But mm-hmm. we can't not get into this story. Actually, we don't need to get into it. But, like, if you don't know about what Jason Spezza spearheaded with the Leafs, he went to everyone on the Leafs, including himself, but mostly to the guys who make big contracts. And they all pooled money to give to guys on the Marlies who had, like, AHL contracts where they haven't been played much. That's gorgeous like it's it's just so nice to have a guy on your team who is one playing for nothing is performing like like at an elite level at at the age that he's at and is so clearly a great influence on your players not to say Thornton is clearly he is but you know you can have more than one nice thing and that's I and Jason Spetz is the guy that kind of spearheaded this thing. We don't know who else was on that list or who was kind of the like, hey guys, we got to do something. But uh, I I did listen to Elliot today on the Thirty One Thoughts Pod, and they were like, well, yeah, we didn't want this getting out. Like we didn't want anyone knowing about this. Mm-hmm. But it, it, more or less, the quote was like, yeah, we didn't want anyone to find out about this. But yes, it's true. It's like all of it. So it's nice to see. Uh, I hope other teams follow suit if uh, if if they can. Um, you know, it's just nice to see, especially the AHL guys. They're just that league is playing in Canada without even having playoffs this year. They're just playing more or less to keep players who have shortened careers on the ice. And yeah. Well, speaking of no playoffs, let's get to Ottawa real quick. Oh, master segue. We've already got to talk. We got to, I got to say this real quick. There's really nothing to discuss about it, and there are some more fun things to discuss regarding Senators goaltending. Uh, but Matt Murray, I got to say, I feel bad for him because he's had a real rough year. He comes back. He had a shutout. He had another game that he didn't win, but his save percentage since he's been back from injury is 977, and he's hurt again. He looks like he's out for the year. That fucking blows. I'm not saying that, you know, Matt Murray's career is not over, and I, I know that the contract is bad and it's long, but I, I, I'm, he has not had his last good year in the NHL, I guess I hope. Yeah, he's had a hard, hard hand dealt to him there. Something went on in Ottawa too, where I think he was hurt and they didn't buy him. And of course, the emerge like the third stringer came in for that game, and then shortly after they reshuffled their goaltending coach. It's like, hey, this guy is no longer the goaltending coach. We got a job for him, but he's not goaltending. So something went on there, and it sucks that he was injured. And then, like you said, come back. There's a shutout. There's a win, and bam, injured again. Goalies playing with injuries kind of freaks me out anyway because you don't know when the you know when the next injury is going to be the one that does fuck your career up agreed dicey okay so let's do speed round we're running out of time uh, all right 
We're heavy on time. Matthew Kachuk, uh, Thomas Shabbat have both been great this year. Do you see them as franchise uh, building blocks? And don't forget, Charles, we're in the speed round. Uh, absolutely yes to two. Yeah, big yes. They've been great. Yeah. There is, there is, there's room for optimism there. Uh, Ottawa has beat both Vancouver and Calgary, two teams fighting for their playoff dreams this year. If you're on that team, would you rather play spoiler or would you rather you be tanking a little bit? Because right now they, they're at about sixth. No, there's a bunch of guys that need contracts. You're playing spoiler. You're proving what you can do every night. I like it. They're fun. The pesky sends have returned. Uh, okay, so this is something. Tim Stutzla tipped in a goal, and when he scored, he pointed at himself. And a bunch of people got butthurt about it because he pointed when they were losing a game that he pointed at himself as if to say, yes, I scored. And people got real whiny about it. I can't believe that. Hockey fans get whiny? Can I? So when I, when, when, if this is World Juniors, this is the Leafs, if I'm cheering for a team and the other guy scores and they do a big celebration, it pisses me off. But I wish celebrations were fucking huge because I think it's more fun when you're mad at the guys that you're playing. What's your thoughts on celebrations? Uh, Celebrations actually don't like hamming it up and celebrations don't make me mad. And I'm a man that gets mad at hockey a lot. Like I get worked up and I get mad. But it's typically it's not the it's not the the dunking or the celebrations or stuff like that as much as is the boneheaded shit like sucker punches or yeah. dirt that that gets me mad. A celebration I like I like creative celebrations. Totally. One of my favorite was the Pat Kane and then Matthews did the hand to the ear. Both of them traded off of that. Brilliant. One of my favorites. Fantastic. I will say, Charles, from you, a mediocre speed round performance, just in terms of pure <laughs> longevity there. <laughs> but I, I, agree, sure I, like, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I would much rather see a guy shoot his own glove than fucking watch another guy elbow a guy in the head any day of the week. In terms of fun, and we'll close on this, Artem Anisimov was almost the emergency goalie. He put on pads. They took pictures. This is a real beer league vibe right now, and it's kind of fun. What would you think? Oh, it was the best. Um, my favorite was like, I only learned about this when you messaged me today. Uh, my favorite was the pictures of the goalies helping him put on the pads. And then when he's finally dressed, you got to look this up. When he's finally dressed, he's just standing. He looks like a tank. Like he's huge in the goalie equipment and he's doing jumping jacks. Just uh, like, I kind of wish we saw him for a minute or two. Say, why not? Yeah, like just, yeah, the, the season's over there. Just Give them like 60 seconds on the ice. But yeah, I love it. For like Winnipeg, Toronto, you know what? Play your prospects. Get crazy. Ottawa, we're like, fucking put you in that. Who cares? All right. That's good. I'm proud of us. We did a good speed round. Uh, Thanks to everybody for listening. Really, really appreciate your time. Uh, Season's getting hot. We'll be back next week. Bye. See you later.